Previously on Funny Science Fiction. Ex-football coach of a Jedi Knight. You know what I mean? Like, I, there were a lot of very unique things about that yeah. story. A blinded Jedi Knight, nonetheless. Yeah, right. I, that's what I like to do. I like to blind Jedi. <laughs> Hi, this is Liz Vassy, a.k.a. Captain Liberty. Welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast where we use all five of our senses, but typically we rely on our non-senses. So our guest today is a veteran actress who you've seen both in live versions of The Tick, uh, but also in shows like CSI, which stands for Crime Scene Investigation, if you didn't know. Uh, there's also Star Trek, Next Generation, Quantum Leap, Doc, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and that's just a, a few of the places where you will have had an opportunity to have witnessed her work. So we are so very happy and honored today to welcome Liz Bassey to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. I'm excited. This is going to be great. I'm excited. Um, yay, us. So, <laughs> so Liz, the first place I recall seeing you on anything, and we talked about this a little bit before uh, off camera, uh, was the first live action run for The Tick uh, as Captain Liberty, always forever being chased by Batman well. Uh, and I, I love that live action run. We watched it faithfully, all nine episodes. We went out and bought, like I said, we went out and bought the DVD. When it came out, we watched it over and over again. Um, you know, now I have digital copies of it. I still watch it. I still think it's funny. I think uh, no indifference to Peter Serafanowitz. I will never get that name right. My apologies, Peter, who's a fantastic tick, but uh, he's no Patrick Warburton. Uh, I thought Patrick was absolutely perfect in that role. Um, so, but being that this was your, from what I could tell was your first run on any type of superhero style show, how did you prepare for that role versus um, some of the other roles that you had in the past? Was there any difference in approach or did you look at it and go, well, it's a superhero role. So I kind of have to know some of the history of it. Uh, God, a couple things. Um, first of all, I was obsessed with superheroes growing up. So uh, I I was a young girl in the South who was obsessed with matchbox cars, sports, superheroes, uh, all kinds of geekery, um, So, which made me very popular, as you can imagine. Uh, but um, so I didn't really have to prepare in the superhero world because I was obsessed with comic books anyway. And I'd seen the Tick animated series. And I also had done a series with Barry Sonnenfeld and Barry Josephson, who were producing the Tick. Um, I'd done a series prior to that called Maximum Bob, so I sort of knew the whole team. Uh, I knew Patrick Warburton from an episode of, uh, what did we do? We met both guest starring on Murphy Brown. And okay. we met on that. Oh, we also, no, I think we met on Grapevine. We'd met a million years before that several times. And so and basically it was just sort of walking into the audition process going, oh, I know everybody in here. Um, except for Ben Edlund, who I was a little starstruck to meet because he's Ben Edlund. Um, but I just, you know, I, 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 the main thing was the costume fitting. <laughs> it just, that was the bigger thing because normally you go into wardrobe and you have uh, whatever, jeans, t-shirts and everything. And this suddenly was a whole ordeal, more so for Patrick, obviously by tenfold, but um, you know, you just go in again and again and again because you have one friggin' outfit. So right. it has to be perfect. <laughs> So uh, that was the bigger difference. Um, and the other funny thing was normally sitting around on sets for 16 hours, you get in conversations that sometimes get a little deep, you know, uh, life, death, family, things. 
And uh, you can't do that while you have a cape on. Like we would try expressions, <laughs> and then we'd look at each other and go, "This is ridiculous." Um, except everything really light and and fun. Um, but you know, as far as prep, the other thing was Captain Liberty didn't exist in any prior incarnation of the right. series for the live action. So uh, it was basically whatever we wanted to make her. Um, it wasn't that there was a template for me to look at, which was actually pretty freeing. Well, that's kind of cool. I, yeah, I, I knew that she wasn't in anything previous, but um, that would make sense that that would actually kind of give you the, <clears throat> pardon the pun, liberty to do what you needed to with the, I'm sorry, I'm a dad. It just They just kind of- <laughs> Dad jokes run deep in this show. <laughs> they just, they, I, I just, I can't stop them. I try, I do. I understand, uh, I understand. <laughs> so half the time I'm just sitting here like, come back pretty words, you know, but so yeah. <laughs> somebody else save me i'm i'm doing horrible here. oh somebody no we're else. just gonna let you keep going this is it, good. Gave me some, it gave me some as you said liberty and that was nice and uh the same goes for nestor i mean nestor uh he didn't really have anything to look at right. for batman well and he was of course genius um and nestor and i had known each other before too i had done a series called brotherly love with joey lawrence and his two brothers oh yeah, um, yeah. and uh nestor played my boyfriend on an episode so oh, okay uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, going into this was just really easy because we all kind of knew each other and liked each other. Yeah, yeah Nestor kills me on that show every single time. He's perfect. He, he's, oh, yeah. He killed us, too. I mean, it was really, you should see the outtakes. It's just, it was really hard to get for a scene with him. Really hard. <laughs> <laughs> just no matter what he did, he was funny. And then to watch him on Lost, I was so impressed because I'd only seen him in comedies. I'd never really seen him do anything that dramatic. I mean, he's just, and now he's directing. He's, he's kind of, I'm, yeah. he's probably a robot. I'm not certain he's human. Um, <laughs> I think there's multiples of them. Yeah, maybe. Very possibly. So I know that Tim is going to go down the, the tick rabbit hole pretty hard because that's, that's where, that's where Tim's interest is. Honestly, when, when Tim said, Hey, we get to talk to Liz Bassey, I'm like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? And I'm looking, I'm like, because she's Wendy from CSI. It's like, <laughs> of course that's who this is. And then scrolling through your IMDb, I'm like, oh, and I know her from ER and Diagnosis Murder and all of these other little roles that you have. But CSI is not a sci-fi show, but they got to use some pretty cool scientific equipment to solve crimes in that show. So I know that the television science isn't real, but did you learn anything cool on yeah. your run on CSI? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I did because they allowed me, I wrote an episode um, with Wally Langham, who played uh, Hodges. And before we wrote it, they sent us on a ride along with real CSI. So, um, separately. so, and I'm obsessed with all of that. Like, honestly, if I, if I could be a real CSI, I would seriously consider it. I, I met the real ones. I watched three autopsies. Um, I just, I, I went into crime scenes. I took fingerprints. Um, no, I learned a lot. Like I can take that fingerprint tape and I, I can take a piece <laughs> off that. It was so cool. I mean, I, I looked like, I looked like a cowgirl. I just, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, you, you do, you do learn some things. You learn which parts are done for television and have nothing to do with, uh, any part of reality. Um, like when I went to the CSI place in Vegas, the, the actual CSIs had a poster the cast of CSI next to their real CSI office and it was it's hysterical you know because you have Mark Helgenberger and then oh, you know of and the real ones are wearing hairnets and uh you know they're covered head to toe in in um 
sort of smocks and mm -hmm. you know, so it's just there there are no high heels in the real csi land um, no no there's a lot of ppe but not <laughs> exactly <laughs> but no i i found the whole thing fascinating i i just respect them um so much and respect what they do so much and i uh the biggest thing i learned was that they told me a lot of people i found this fascinating a lot of people retire and then go back and work part-time because you get so hooked by the puzzle that you can't let it go so oh, yeah. um, they just go back and work for free and just and go back and, and help uh, with cases and, and sort of, you know, provide aid to other people so that they can just be part of it again, which I thought was fascinating. That is so, so cool. do you still like watch uh, like murder mysteries today? And do you get pretty close to figuring out who did it first? Or? I am. Um, I am terrible to watch anything like, like my husband and I sit down and it's so sad. We'll watch something on Netflix and I'll pause it and I'll be like, they have seven alleles in common. I mean, my God, if they have seven <laughs> alleles in common, you know what that is. He's, he's a cameraman, so he's no better because then he'll pause it and be like, do you see the light? Do you see the light? You know, so we to each other. It takes us seven and a half hours to watch an hour television program. but. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine after working in television how hard it would be to watch a television show to to see the even the editing mistakes with the no they how did they miss that it's like no it's it yes but it's also given me so much more respect I've actually segued into writing now for the last several years um, and now with the benefit of knowing the gauntlet that you have to go through to get a pilot on the air and knowing exactly what goes into it. Now I look back at all those pilot seasons going and reading for them as an actor. And I mean, not that I wasn't respectful of their work, I was, but I didn't know what they did to get there by the time they're casting sure. these shows. I mean, it's been so many months and so many notes and so many, I mean, it's just so many hoops. And so it's sort of the same thing now. I mean, I've been in this business since I was a child. It's been 107 years that I've spent in this business and I watch. And now uh, every year I just have more and more respect for people having the gumption to put themselves out there and try to make something. So you'd think that you become more judgmental and in reality you become far less because you're just cool. like, oh, they made it. They, they, they did, they did it. it. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my husband and I both get, uh, we're just very proud of people um, when, when we watch these because they, they did it, they made something and it's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've talked to a couple of stunt actresses who've done the, they they struggle with watching things now because they're like oh and that's me and then that's the actor and then oh i can see where the stunt double changed and it's like and i feel like it would almost break the illusion to an extent after being in it for so long but i like that you that you realize that you've seen how much more respect you have for it like that's actually really that's commendable to me that you you're looking at it with the hey look at what the, the cool thing they did yeah i mean you know there are other things too like it's funny i i can always tell or I, I think I can always tell, but I, I, you know, later they talk about it sometimes in interviews and I'm, I'm right a lot of the time. I love to pick out the first scene that an actor shot in a project because mm -hmm. I can usually tell their hair looks a little bit different than it does in the whole rest of the show because it was sort of a test run in that first scene. Makeup probably looks a little different and the performance <laughs> is slightly different. Like they got that little bit of nerve, like mm -hmm. a little bit of nerve is going on there. And I know because I can tell in my own, I, I watch things that I, I can always pick out my first scene and go, ah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the anxiety. Yeah, you know, you just, you sort of see it. So uh, I, I play that with my husband all the time. I'll just go, what do you think was the first scene? And I, I can usually kind of tell. So <laughs> it's a useless talent, but you know. It's hey, it time. makes for good trivia night. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for finding the positive. <laughs>
<laughs> I think it would be fun to watch TV with you guys. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also fun. My, my husband started really young uh, as a cameraman. And so he, between the two of us, I mean, he's done most of the movies and I've done mostly TV, but um, between the two of us, it's also kind of a pain in the butt because, you know, he'll pause something and be like, oh, the gaffer from this was the best boy Grip's friend's cousin of the DPs of the, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, you know. Mother's well, father's it, roommate. Exactly. <laughs> so it'd either be really fun or if you turned it into a drinking game, you'd have no functioning liver and kidneys by the end of the night. True. Very true. <laughs> Every time you pause, you take a shot. Well, he's dead. Something <laughs> <laughs> should not be turned into drinking games. <laughs> so we generally all have something that's close to our heart that we are really proud of that we have done. Was there a little known role that you have done that just kind of holds that little special place in your heart? Um, without a doubt, it was Maximum Bob. It was uh, a show that I did for ABC in 1998 ish. And uh, Bo Bridges played a judge and played a lawyer. I was uh, 25 and it was my first big role. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld directed the pilot and it was an Elmore Leonard novel that uh, the show was based on. And we did seven episodes, including the pilot. Um, Sam Robards was the, uh, Robards, familiar name. Um, he played the sheriff of the town. Um, Kirsten Warren was in there as the judge's wife. It's an extraordinary cast, extraordinary writers. And we had to get together about a year, no, mm, a little over two years ago because there were no masks um about a little over two years ago with everybody and uh we all missed it like it, to a person it's been our favorite project it was a, a really special show that just sort of worked on all cylinders um and, and only cool. seven hours. so uh but that's it i mean that is the, the my favorite thing that i've acted in was, was that definitely so what was it that what like why was that your favorite um, a couple things. I mean, I'm an Elmore Leonard fan, so it was really cool from that perspective. It was my first time being quarterback on a show. Uh, I, had, I had been, uh, I'd done a ton of guest stars. I'd been part of ensembles. I'd never been, you know, I was the lawyer who went into this strange town. I was sort of the eyes for the audience, and I was in almost every scene in the pilot, and I'd never done that before. So learning that I could was really important on a, on a personal level. So it did a lot for my self-confidence. Um, and also, just it, like I said, it was an extraordinary group of actors. So we all raised each other's game. Um, I was very lucky to be in their company. I mean, you don't, it's hard to suck with Bo Bridges. Like, you know, you, cause he it just <laughs> you automatically get better just by virtue of the fact that he's in a scene with you. Um, yeah, he's so Bo Bridges. Really so. Off. Yeah, and a lovely man too. That was the other thing. It was just everybody, everybody who was on that show was just a, a lovely human being who was uh, highly aware that we were all very lucky to be there. And, and be doing that so it was yeah it was magic it was one of the and and i say that we shot in the summer in miami florida so if i'm if i'm phrasing it you know and we're shooting in like 107 uh humidity like you know 107 percent humidity that you know that I, it had to be pretty great so yeah it was a great show all right excellent you know one of the things that and you kind of mentioned this earlier but one of the things i always love to ask about is somebody's background and kind of what inspired them and kind of move them forward in, throughout their career. Um, so for you, and, and since we are a, a sci-fi slash superhero fantasy uh, nerd pop show, um, what were some of your sci-fi and superhero influences? You didn't mention that you were a superhero fan uh, as a young lady, uh, but so some of these things that influenced you as you grew up, 
uh, that have either helped direct you towards the career that you're in, or at least perked your interest in maybe doing something along this line? Um, I, I basically, I started for a couple reasons. When I was two, I was very, very sick and I got out of the hospital and I'd gone in very gregarious and I came out very shy. And so being myself in front of a large group of people was not really all that appealing because um, I was sort of shell-shocked. And uh, I escaped through superhero and fantasy. Um, so reading superhero, like I, my, my father had this collection of Batman comics just about that thick. I poured through that thing. I knew every single word. I could tell you everything about Dick Grayson. I know how his parents were lost. There was acid on the ropes. Oh, you know, like I just, I read these things over and over again. Partially it was because, um, you know, you don't become a superhero without going through some challenges. And I think in my kid brain, I watched them go through these horrible things uh, and watch them triumph. And it gave me uh, sort of a perspective of, I, I can try and, and do that. I can try and, and triumph too, you know? I mean, I, I just, uh, they meant, they meant the world to me growing up. They were sort of friends. And then uh, I started acting though, because I saw my sister in a play and I thought it looked fun. And I asked my mom to drive me to an audition for the next thing that that theater company was doing. And she said no, because she was terrified to watch me get up on stage and just tank it. Uh, Cause I, you know, like I said, I was extremely shy. So, uh, my sister took me and I got up and I sang and I ended up playing Oliver and Oliver um, because they needed a girl to hit the high notes. So <laughs> I played I played three boys at the beginning of my career. Like this was, this was became a team. Um, but, uh, and then I, I actually, as a child was more comfortable on stage in front of hundreds of people than I was sitting, you know, at a party or something, or I just, it was a way for me to express myself. Um, so to have everything married by doing the tick, was kind of great, you know, to get to be a superhero, to get, I got an action figure out of it, which, oh, because the other thing was Star Wars. I was obsessed with Star, I was obsessed with Star Wars. I have every single action figure ever made. I have the small ones. I have a lot of the large ones. I have a Darth Vader collector case. I have a Lance Peter. What you're doing right now is what my husband did on our first <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> because it just, I was absolutely obsessed. Um, so you are, okay, so, yeah, uh, you are the girl that every nerd boy dreams about. That they're like, God, I hope I can find a nerd girl who likes the nerdy stuff that I like. And your husband, I'm sure, when he walked in and saw all that stuff, like, yeah, you're mine. Okay, we're good. Uh, he, was, he was very happy. <laughs> we have them all over. We have this shelf that uh, we call the shelf of oddities. And it's just all these things we've collected over the years and from traveling. I have every single action figure on the shelf and um, you know, shelves. And uh, yeah, he, he thinks it's pretty cool. We, we definitely are a good match. You have all the Lego. No, he, he did a lot of the Lego growing up. So um, I actually just bought him uh, the new, <laughs> I ended up buying him a Star Wars Lego set. He's not here. Every Christmas uh, I'll buy him one, um, you know, and they just released a rather large one. And, uh, and so I bought that for him for Christmas. Oh, awesome. Sitting in my office. <laughs> and, uh, nice. Pretty substantial Christmas present. So. Yeah. I so want to see that collection. I can't even tell you how badly I'm like over here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, she has a Star Wars collection. It's okay. We can concentrate. We'll be fine. You know, I'd show you, but I don't know you guys well enough to take you into the bedroom. So, no, like, no. I, Understandable. I, I, uh, we're good. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's, you know, I want to see that. That doesn't mean I need to be taken to see it. It's just. See, I know I it exists, it. and that's probably fine. Actually, on our Christmas tree right now, we have, uh, we always laugh about it because we have um, 
stormtroopers. We have uh, a lot of things from Avatar because uh, my husband's actually working on Avatar, and so he we have hmm. you know gifts that we've gotten for. So that's cool. Very, yeah, we have a very we have a very sci-fi sort of oddly uh, bloody and violent Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> There's an alien, you know. <laughs> See, I love that awesome. Tim's like freaking out about your collection, and I'm sitting here with the. <gasps> She's the nerd girl all the other nerd girls look up to. Like, boy, where mm -hmm. were you guys in Tampa, Florida? I could have used you during high school. I'll tell you that much. But um, I'm glad the nerds finally, you know. Michigan. Finally... Yeah. Freezing <laughs> um, our butt offs in the snow. But yeah, Michigan. So. With the age difference, I wasn't born yet. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, most mostly now I just collect Funko Pops. That's where most of my Star Wars collection comes in now. But, but I do have one of these. Oh, so cute! Yeah, that's the greatest thing. That's wow. I see. I wish they'd made pops from our from the first live action. I really would have. I would have. I'd have them all if they did. Yeah. I did yeah. get uh, a Lego of myself. Uh, oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's an original. Somebody created it, but we managed to track it down. So I have a little Lego Captain Libby on my shelf, which is pretty pretty. That, cool. That's, that's cool. really. That's cool. still really cool. Yeah. Not everybody cool. gets to have their own action figure. You know, I'm telling you, I'm highly aware of that. It really was. I mean, it it probably like you know Emmy action figure. Like it just meant a lot. <laughs> but a funny story. They uh, they sent me a template when they were making it, and um, they sent me this. The first thing they sent me was a sort of cast of it, and they said, you know, we want your notes. And I thought, well, this is kind of cool. They're asking me what I think, so I unwrapped it. It was basically Patrick Warburton's face with long hair. So I wrote and I said, I mean, it doesn't look like me i i understand it won't be but this is this is patrick it looks like patrick and the other thing was that they gave her the gigantic butt thigh region like huge like <laughs> oddly huge so i wrote back and i went can we just i mean you know it's it's odd and and so i have a note from them that basically says due to your concerns we have uh decided to shrink your posterior and thigh region <laughs> it just made me laugh <laughs> so what you're saying is the 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 doll was a mashup of uh patrick warburton and j-lo okay uh, <laughs> it was a good butt thigh region it just wasn't mine and it's so well, yeah you know and patrick has a great face it just doesn't really jive it's not yours yeah so it was a very it's a very funny first attempt <laughs> Nice. See, but now I'm just picturing Patrick with a giant ghetto booty. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much what it was with long hair and a star. It, <laughs> that was it. My brain can't unsee that now. <laughs> he got a uh, plush toy that you pull and it says spoon. So he got a he got a little tick like made after him. It was him. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But he deserved it. He had to wear that costume all the time. So it's okay. He can get a plush. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was quite the costume. There are people on Etsy now who will make you um, your own Funko uh, of, of you. It's like 100, 150 bucks. And they'll make the, you know, the Funko. They'll paint it. They'll do up the box however you want them to do it. And so you can get a Funko with a box for you. So, you know, like for, for us, uh, one of our show logos, I made it. So there's there's three little Funkos, our little avatars are, are of each of each of us as a Funko. And I made it on Funko's website and 
uh, I've been toying around with the idea of getting myself made as a Funko because I collect them. And it would just be kind of cool to have my own. It's the closest I'm ever going to get to having my own Kung Fu grip action figure. So, you know. Yeah, why haven't you done it already? Kids are, expen- kids are expensive. And <laughs> I understand, but they pass up the Starbucks or whatever you got to pass up every day, put a little away every day and get you got to be a pop. It, I mean, it's, oh, it's common. Don't, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah it's common. Good. I'm happy. We could just start a GoFundMe, turn me into a pop. <laughs> <laughs> pop that's, me. Just, that's, a, that's a dream that's got to be realized. Oh, yes, absolutely. Good. <laughs> Liz, we've had a chance to talk to a few actors that have also appeared on Star Trek at some point in their career. We got to talk to Robin Curtis, uh, Armin Shimmerman, and Jeremy Roberts. Love Armin. Oh no, he's amazing. He and his wife Kitty are just. I mean, I, I, they're they're wonderful. Words to talk about. They're just. They're. I. They're some of my favorite people. I love them. Our interview with him was so spectacular. He was so sweet. It was just. It was amazing to get to talk to him because I grew up watching Deep Space Nine, and so I'm sitting there the whole time, completely geeking out about the fact that I'm talking to Quark, and he's so down to earth and so chill, and it was fantastic to talk to him. Yeah, and. So again, when I scroll through your IMDb and I'm like, hey, she was on Next Gen. I forgot she was on Next Gen. I mean, it's one episode, but you got to be on the Enterprise. So what do you remember about your experience being on the Enterprise, even if it was as an amnesiac in a bathing suit? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I remember that the line was, uh, I'm just a patient in a bathing suit. What am I doing here? Because they've taken away the memory of the ship. So I do remember my line. Um, it was my second job in Los Angeles, I think. So I was excited that it was Star Trek. I was more excited to be working. Um, I was excited because it was Paramount and you go on the Paramount lot and there's so much history on that lot. And I, I had done a soap opera for two years in New York, which is a very fun experience. It's, it's very different from walking on a studio lot like Paramount and going, wow. I mean, it was really great. I remember that they served me breakfast and I'd never had that happen before. <laughs> So somebody brought me oatmeal and I was like, this is the coolest thing. Um, and I remember uh, Gates McFadden. That was a pretty cool thing to, you know, that was pretty excellent. And um, yeah, the cast was really cool. I just got to meet some of the people. I didn't get to meet a lot of them because it was only about a scene and a half. I went to four fittings for that bathing suit, which cracks me up because of how small the part was. Um, but uh, mostly it was just a very kind set. It was a, a very kind professional set and uh, probably one of the things that I'm asked about most just because of so much love for the Star Trek community. You know, I mean, I'm invited to go to Vegas to go to some of these conventions and it, that also cracks me up because I'm, I did one, two scenes in it, tops, and it's, uh, but it's, it's really, that, that group of fandom uh, is uh, dear to my heart. I'm just impressed with them as human beings. You know, and just the the whole idea and inclusivity of Star Trek, I think, is a really beautiful thing. So I'm happy to be a tiny, 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 tiny part in that world. That's really cool. I mean, not again, not everybody gets to say that they were part of the Star Trek universe. Like that's that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I think uh, I remember my sister's boyfriend at the time was a Trekkie, and um, you know, I'd, I'd done it at work before then, and he didn't care. But that one, like suddenly, that that and I had made it. He was. Oh, great. now I'm cool. <laughs> now I'm cool. Now I'm cool. Uh, but I've gotten to know a lot of the cast members just mostly through Armin and Kitty. I've met a lot of people that were on Star Trek and uh, to a person, they've just been so lovely. Like, really, just 
great people. So, and I love to be original. I mean, we did a send off of it on CSI. We did a whole thing about fan conventions. And, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, it was really fun. They called it Ask Request and it was written by a couple writers from Battlestar. So uh, it was very respectful of, of the fans. And um, it's one of the things that we heard back from that episode was thank you for not talking down about this, for not talking down about conventions, for not, you know, because uh, we all went in with respect and we know that it comes out of love. So we tried to put that into the episode. I say we, I just said the words they wrote for me, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the writers, Noreen Shankar was a big part of that too, one of our EPs on CSI. Mm-hmm. Um, that was super fun and I got to watch uh, a lot of the old Star Treks over again so that I can sort of base some of the uh, fantasy sequences on that um, and it was it was really great it was really great I loved that episode I loved the as as a nerd I'm like oh, yay and it was that sort of that like you said the realizing no you're respecting us you're not making fun of comic-cons you're not making fun of the nerds who go in cosplay you're you're showing homage to us in a way it was really cool yeah, I, well, absolutely. I mean, I think we all felt that way. And, and speaking for myself, I mean, I've gone, I've gone to cons before, and I've seen people dressed up as Captain Liberty, and I'm just—I mean, it's an honor. It's 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 really sweet. It's it, and I just love it. Like sometimes they walk along with a Batman well, and it's just the greatest thing. <laughs> oh, that's I'm so cool. Trying to make that costume, it's really cool. So, Liz, you, according to the internet. You also run a company called Neurosis to a T. Yes? I did. I did. 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 Yeah, a t-shirt company. Okay. Uh, could you tell us a little more about that? And how did that idea come about? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not good with, uh, with any wasted time. Um, I'm not, I, it's hard for me to not be doing something a lot of the time. And so, um, back in my dating days, uh, Kristen Bauer and I used to hang out a lot. Uh, she's Pam and True Blood. Um, she's been in a million things. She's wonderful. And we used to hang out. And when we were dating, I said, wouldn't it be great if um, the men that we were going out with would just come up and have their neuroses written right there on their shirts because it would save so much time. And I was like, and, in, and then we could also, you know, quid pro quo, we could do it back. Like we could just put our neuroses right, right out there because then it wouldn't be date four when we decided <laughs> that we weren't meant to be. We could just know and like see each other and go see ya. So I made one as a joke for uh, each of my sisters for, well, you know, Kristen made one for herself and um, a friend of mine, I made her one that said, I use big words to impress people. So we just basically <laughs> took everybody's neuroses. And uh, Kristen and I went to a premiere and wore our t-shirts and people started saying, where can we buy them? And we were like, we'll sell them. How hard could it be? And then we became like Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory because we <laughs> rented office space. And then um, we got a lot of attention once we started selling them. And so we got an order for like 250 t-shirts right off the bat. And we were going, oh, oh my God. So we're trying to figure out how to send stuff and how to make the labels and how to do all this. And um, it, it got to be crazy. And then we were in 80 stores for a while, which sounds like a massive success story, except for the fact that it's so much money to start up a company like that, that, I mean, we basically broke even by the time we sold it because it was just nuts. And I'm so happy we did it because it's so weird to have owned a t-shirt company. It's like such a strange blip, um, but, and, and we both laugh about it. The other thing is, you know, you can't own that as a concept. So shortly after we did it, we started seeing t-shirts everywhere where they would change the sayings just a little bit. 
um, you know, so instead of I use big words to impress people, it would be I'm verbose so people respect me or something like that. And you go, well, you can't you can't go after them. And so suddenly it sort of flooded the market with all these types of T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that we were responsible for it, but we helped. And, uh, and so it just, it got to be, we, thankfully, we both ended up on a series at the same time. And Kristen and I were like, and it's time for somebody else to take this. Um, but it was, it was a fun experience. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just noticed, is that Snoopy behind you? Oh, yeah. Um, that is a, an artist named Tom Eberhardt. And I love it because uh, my, I used to love peanuts growing up as a kid. and. Um, He's the only artist who Charles Schultz allowed to do any of the Peanuts characters. And so I like it because it's oh. a little bit, you know, you, you're very idealistic as a child and then you realize certain things are a little skewed. So it kind of stands for that to me. It's like it's Snoopy, only a little bit. <laughs> so <Nice. laughs> I just, I love, cool. I love his work. Yeah, we have uh, a couple actually that I love that guy. I think he does really fun stuff. All right, cool. Uh, so you, you've proven over the years that, uh, You've had some pretty cool roles. You've proven yourself as an actress with with tremendous range, uh, what you can do. And, and uh, even though there was a few shows where it was named Nick or Nikki, or there's there's like a run of them there for a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, we can always look, always look past that. But is there a role out there that you would like to yet be a part of, either as as an actress or as a writer, um, that you think, man, this is something I would love to be involved in? Um, the, as far as being an actor, I, I sing, I started in musical theater, so, um, I would love to do something where I could sing again. Um, I've, I, I sang on the soap. I actually, it was part of the reason I even got the role on the soap. I had to sing for it over and over and over again to play the daughter of a singer on all my children. So, um, it's dear to my heart. So I would really love to get the opportunity to do that. As far as writing, that's coming through right now. I um, I sold a show to NBC uh, a couple months ago, and um, awesome. No, oh, it's it's thank you. I'm I'm thrilled. It's uh, in connection with my MBLX company. Um, okay, cool. I man, I I'm not I'm not sure it's possible for a human being to be smarter. She's uh, she's incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. And Marin Dungey, who Marin Dungey's done a million things, and she signed on to play the lead and um, with Warner Brothers. And so it's it's a project that's sort of loosely based on uh, something that I went through when I lost my mom. And so it's, but it's it's sort of a, believe it or not, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy, but it's something that means a, a lot to me. So to see it realized, like talking to you guys right now, I I actually. Uh, I actually put on some makeup and did my hair because I've had head <laughs> in sweats just typing for the last couple of days. And um, I'm surprised I know how to talk right now because I, I haven't <laughs> talked to another human being for a very long time. <laughs> just been typing, but it's it's been a joy. So I'm hoping that it uh, I'm hoping that it airs and gets a life because um, so far it's just it's been a joy. And just having somebody say yes to this project has has really been great. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks. Thanks. Well, congratulations. That's that's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes you need that dark humor to get through the the struggles too. I've, I've found that to be true in my own life. But sometimes you have to laugh at the pain. Yeah, you do. I think uh, I think the things that I respond to the most on television and in movies, as dramatic as they are, they always have a slight sense of humor. And as funny as they are, they always have a slight, slight, slight sense of blue. You know, like even mm-hmm. the tank, uh, was very funny. It was a broad comedy. 
but these were four lonely people. Like they did form a family. This was coming from like the tick was misunderstood. The tick, you know, like it, there's always, uh, there's, I, I just think there's always a little bit of heart to find in the comedies and a, and a little bit of fun to find in the dramas. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, even, even in some of the shows that you've done, I mean, ER was a very dramatic TV show, but then when you search for your name and ER, one of the first pictures that comes up is Noah Wiley looking at your butt. <laughs> that was, I, you know, it was really funny. I, I got that role and I had done um, a pilot the night before. Uh, and then I had the report to work to recur or possibly recur on this brand new show called ER. So I show up and I'm so tired because I'd shot something the night before. So I show up and I, I played, um, for anybody who hasn't seen the pilot or the first couple episodes of ER, I played somebody who deliberately would hurt herself. Uh, but in sort of funny, like I would burn my inner thighs to basically go in and come on to doctors. So I, in the pilot, went in with burnt inner thighs, and Dr. Green had to treat me, and I was telling him how long and strong his fingers are, and it was a very intense scene, but I was so tired that I left that night, and I'm, I mean, I'm 20 nothing at that point, I, I think I was 20, 21 maybe, and I left the set, and I was like, oh my god, that was Goose. Like, I didn't know <laughs> the whole day that I was working with Goose from Top Gun. <laughs> I, I was retroactively so starstruck that I thought maybe it's, maybe it's better that I didn't know. And um, then I, I uh, then they invited me back to go do more. And they said, we didn't have a name for the character in the pilot. Is it okay if we call her Liz? Which I thought was funny because it's like, well, uh, sure. So then I had to go in and come on to Noah Wiley and... Uh, I just, I, we had a quite a little romance on that show. Um, <laughs> that scene made me so nervous. I, <laughs> I remember that I was in wardrobe and first of all, they said, well, we want, we want to, <laughs> we want to put you in a diaphanous dress. Are you okay with that? And again, I'm 20. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then I left sure. and I immediately went home and looked up diaphanous and went, oh my God, I just said yes to a, a basically a see-through dress. So I didn't even realize. And I thought, well, I mean, how see-through can it be? Because it's, it's TV. Right. So when, and I did that, and then the next episode, they were like, we're thinking <laughs> we would love for you to have a rash on your butt. And if we could, and they kept putting off the scene. So I went to work every day and for three or four days, they kept going, nope, we'll get to it tomorrow. So I was in a state of, it was 96 hours of pure anxiety for me going, I, I just, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. And, uh, and Noah was very cool about it. And they cleared the set. And of course it's TV. They couldn't show much. <laughs> right. I, I think it's just, it's just a, it's a hip shot on TV, but. Yes, but in real life, I just was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds almost like they were doing like, well, she said yes to this. What else can we get her to agree to? Oh, let's try this. <laughs> Pick a vocabulary word that's out of out of any sort of twenty year old uh, in, in brain space, and, and just ask me that way. A diaphanous dress. I mean, sure, yeah, diaphanous. Yeah, sure. Great. What does that mean? That's some sort of designer, right? Oh, I've heard of her. Very all the time. You mean Fred diaphanous? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Their stuff is fantastic. I wear it all the time. Great designer. Uh, so. My other question that I have for you today is that I, I, I'm speaking for the three co-hosts here that it's no secret that all three of us have a little bit of a crush on Nathan Fillion. Nobody's going to deny it. It's, it's Nathan Fillion. How could you how could you try to deny that? And you got to work with him on Dr. Horrible sing-along blog that he was Captain Hammer. And you were also well, you were part of the evil League of Evil, which I think is so cool. So. It's another musical that, I mean, I always say that Tim needs to watch more musicals, 
and I don't know if this is one Tim appreciates or not yet. I actually have watched this. Thank you very much. I am so proud of you. But it was... <laughs> it's all of two it, in my lifetime. We're doing good. <laughs> but it was made during an interesting time in the entertainment industry. So what was it like working on that smaller project during the writer's strike? Um, it was... Uh, it was interesting. I was doing CSI and one of my favorite writers on there was a guy named Doug Petrie who had written on Buffy. And so Doug was an incredible writer. And so he basically lied to me and said, do you want to go do this? Joss Whedon's big fan of yours. And I went, oh, and he said, it's just come be this little spot. So I go and uh, I go up and I say hi to Joss and Joss is like, nice to meet you. And I realized Joss has no idea who I am. And my friend Doug just did it to get me there. So um, <laughs> I, I had to create like a whole persona for my evil person, which was super fun. So I came up with Fury Laika because I thought hell have no fury like a woman scorned. Mm -hmm. so I wore a wedding dress and the whole backstory was that um, radioactive doves had uh, pooped on me and gave me, given me powers. And I had uh, my bridesmaids with something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. That, those were their weapons. And um, I basically would go after and protect women, you know, because I was left at the altar. So none of that came out. It's just Joss wanted us to have backstories. Mm -hmm. so I met Nathan very briefly there. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you, although I'd never say it to his face, it, he's definitely crush worthy. So you have picked a good one. Um, hmm. I did an episode of Castle and first of all, I walk in on the first day and he had a, a Blu-ray of the tech and he watched all of them the day before and he was like, I really love this show. And he did it just to make me comfortable, which is really nice. And because being a guest star is like trying to search for a table in the cafeteria in middle school, you know, you just like, it's, it's, it's nice when they make it easy. So then uh, we're going out to lunch and lunch starts six hours after the beginning of your shooting day. So our shooting day started at like two o'clock in the afternoon that day. So uh, Nathan said, do you want to go out to lunch with us? You know, eight o'clock at night. I was like, yeah, well, he forgot. So I'm in my trailer and I was reading. And after lunch, he goes, how was your lunch? I was like, it was lonely, Nathan. It was really, really lonely. And he went, oh my God. And he realized <laughs> he'd completely forgotten about me. So the next day, a uh, motorcycle comes up to my house, yells from my, yells my name. I go out and uh, I won't say what it was, but he bought, in a very, he, he bought a very nice gift to say he was sorry, which... Who does that? And that, I mean, it's kind of like, it's crazy. So we, I've never had a brother and I really wanted one and he uh, needs somebody to pick on him. So our entire relationship is basically me saying to him, why do you think people like you? <laughs> and so <laughs> they go back and forth and back and forth. And he says he wants to make a coffee table book out of them because we're horrible to each other. So um, I would never say that we're close, but we have a very interesting, my husband watches us at parties and he's like, you guys are terrible to each other. And it's all done <laughs> out of uh, mutual respect. He's a, a very, very funny, good human being. I, I really enjoyed meeting him. See, Kathleen, we're not that different. We're really not. No, <laughs> Tim and I are at each other's throats like that too. It's just We pick on each other horribly. And it's funny, is my husband and I are like that too. And people be like, "Are you and John fighting?" It's like, "No, this is normal. This yeah. is, yeah, this oh, is just, just fun." She's just the little sister I never wanted, but I ended up with anyway. So, relationship <laughs> for a while. It really is. It works for for a while. I, I went to a, a party at his house, and he had this gigantic beanbag, and um, I said, uh, "I want that. If you ever get rid of it." So he remembered that and he texted me when I'm getting rid of it, like bring it over. So um, I was, I mean, it's huge. I had this gigantic beanbag and it used to be sitting in the living room uh, and then we did a little remodeling and we got rid of the beanbag. 
but uh, for a while we had Cillian's beanbag in the, uh, which I guess just sounds like the name of a book, you know. <laughs> I read it when I'm wearing dresses by Fred Diaphanis. So I read Cillian's beanbag. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Like just, he's just a very funny, really, really good human being. So again, you you've chosen wisely. It was so funny. We actually just recently talked to Patricia Hallman and she mentioned that when she was in her guest appearance on Castle, she actually shared a funny story with us that she fell asleep on the morgue table <laughs> and woke up to everybody gone. She had slept through them filming the scene. And it was the, hello? Oh my God. <laughs> so her first experience meeting Nathan Fillion was in her bought naked on a table, wrapped in a sheet. Wrapped and she's sheet. like, hello? <laughs> yeah. And it he has came the, over has the big, you know, the, the uh, makeup. The big wide incision. Wide incision oh zipper God. on her, yeah. That's the the first one of the first times I I met my husband and I I met him on a movie. He was a cameraman and it was a, a movie a very very uh, well I don't know that anybody that's ever seen it. It's a Tommy Lee Jones movie and um, it's called Cheer Up. It was called Man of the House when we shot it. But he's protecting this gaggle of cheerleaders and the witness protection. Guys. Mm -hmm. I remember that uh, movie. I've yeah. actually seen that movie. Well, I played his partner in the first. Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah. So. <laughs> That's where I met my husband. Was dressed in this nougat-colored outfit, playing a, a deputy. Or a, I, 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 yeah, I was a Texas Ranger, and that's what I was. And um, I had to get shot. And so, um, one of the first times I remember having a solid conversation with my now husband was when I had a, a gaping fake bullet wound um, with fake blood oozing out of my chest on the ground. And you know, you can't move, or the blood will move. And he was the cameraman setting up the shots. And so you just kind of go. Hiya, you know, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> and now we're married. <laughs> so, uh, you get shot here often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Patricia had said the same thing about Nathan that he's just an incredibly generous and incredibly sweet person. She said that because her, her character in Castle got stabbed with an ice pick in the neck, and so then she was like strapped to the couch so that her dead body didn't move. And he would come and sit on the bloody couch and talk to her. And it's like, I believe that. I mean, there are people that really understand and you learn a lot. If you're smart, you learn a lot from them. I, one of my first jobs when I moved down here was Quantum Leap. And um, to a person, uh, just Scott Bakula is, uh, I mean, he's unbelievable. He is mm -hmm. so kind. And it made such an impression on me because I thought, oh, that's what you do when you're in that position. That is how you act. And I got to tell him that recently. I saw him at a restaurant. He didn't remember me. I met him a million years ago. But I went up and I said, I just want you to know everything kind that I've done on set has been at least partially due to you. I mean, you, oh, Annie, Potts, cool. Annie Potts was another one. I met her on a set and I've said the same thing to her. She could not have been better. And so now, you know, as you, as you spend more years in the business, hopefully you start looking for opportunities to be that for somebody else. Um, because it, it makes a huge difference. And Nathan is, he's one of those people who just gets it. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I absolutely love that you acknowledge that and that you, that you told the people, uh, their influence. I I don't think that happens enough in the world where, you know, um, I've had an opportunity a couple of times in life to go talk to people who had big influences on me and thank them for being who they are and what they are. And, you know, um, I think it's as important for you to be able to say it as it is for them to be able to hear it. Uh, so that's really cool. So kudos. Well, yeah, th thanks. I think it's, I, I think, uh, I think we would have a, a, a different world if, 
if people took the time to notice the good stuff too, you know, like you get in an argument with somebody and people will be automatically go, this happens all the time. It's like, no, it doesn't. This happens <laughs> 1% of the time. You just don't talk about the good that happens right, right. Right. at the time. So, um, you know, it's just something that I try and do uh, in my life. And, and also just good for these people that, that made such an impression so many years ago. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. impressive to get to that level and to keep such uh, strong humanity and, and sort of empathy for somebody coming in your family, you know? Yeah. That's nice. awesome. So Liz, we have a Facebook page that has 185,000 members and it is just filled with memes and it's memes of this universe mixed with this universe coming together, making funny moments. So what two characters of yours would you like to see come together to be either nemesis or to work together? Um, well, it's going to have to be Captain Liberty with somebody. I mean, I think, I think Captain Liberty and Wendy Sims would be cool because Wendy would be uh, all over the fact that she's meeting a superhero. Um, <laughs> and I think that Wendy is smarter than Captain Liberty, but Wendy wouldn't have realized it and neither would Captain Liberty. Um, so <laughs> I would like to see them matched up. But then I start thinking, I, I start thinking, wow, I guess you can get really weird with it. Like I, I, I played a mechanic on Brotherly Love um, and I, I think, well, I guess she could be matched up with a superhero and then she could make, actually, then she could make a really good vehicle for Captain Liberty because I would have, I would have liked to have had like the Liberty Mobile or something like that. Yeah, so right. Those, those two I'd like because I think it would be really super cool for Captain Liberty to have had. I don't want an invisible jet. I don't want, you know, I'd better. It's, like, it's a giant torch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I should have had. Where you sit in the handle and the flames come out as afterburners at the end of the torch. Awesome. See. Why didn't we get a season two? <laughs> because, because we weren't the writers. <laughs> well, that was probably the benefit that we weren't the writers. So. That's a good All right. question. All right. So, Liz, we're at a point in the show where we like to run our guests through a little quiz. Okay. And so this quiz is called The Years of Liz. So it's all about you and <laughs> your acting roles. Now, this is according to IMDb. So okay. we all know that IMDb can be um, inaccurate Bronx. at times. I was trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> so it's five questions. They're all multiple choice. And it's all about, uh, we're going to give you the name of your show that you were on. Okay. And, and three possible years of your, uh, uh, that, that according to IMDb was your first appearance on that show. Okay. Okay. That's tough so, because we shoot it so far ahead of when it airs. So it's interesting because I, I bet I'll be a year off on a couple of them. But um, yeah, that's, it's that's entirely possible. Yeah. It might be it okay. might be some trick questions. Um, right. So out of the five questions, if you get three of them correct, we want to send you one of these handy dandy I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphan Fund coffee mugs. Awesome. Uh, it's loosely based on uh, things that are trekkish in nature. And I say it that way so we don't get sued. Uh, secondly. <laughs> If you get four questions correct, we'd like to send you the coffee mug, and Nick's going to hold up a book here. There it is, Dances with Aliens. That's the new book by our group founder, Drayton Allen. Uh, it's about a, a man who uh, is a dog, but not a four-legged dog that goes woof, but a singing, dancing cartoon dog at a theme park. 
And it's all about how intelligent be beings can develop technology to travel all around the cosmos, but not recognize a guy in a dog suit. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and then also Kathleen, we'll send you this book as well. Uh, if you're interested, it's called Custodians of the Cosmos. And that's actually the book that started our group off. Um, it's all about a young man who enters something quite like the Star Trek Federation, but not quite like the Star Trek Federation. Uh, wasn't able to make it, so he re-enters as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. So, so yeah, so that's at four questions. And then if you get, if you're four for four, we ask you the fifth one just for funsies. However, if you only get two of the questions correct, we want to take a picture of you, make a meme out of you, and put it into the group. We call it the fun sequence. Are you okay with that? Yes. Excellent. Yes. We'll see how well I know myself. All right. All right. Very good. Go ahead, Nick. The man of the house. Was it 2001, 2009, or 2005? Say the dates again. 2001, 2009, or 2005? Uh, 2005. You are correct. Yay! Oh, good. At least I haven't missed all of them. <laughs> all right. Question number two. Castle. Is that 2011, 2001, or 2007? 11. That is correct. Yay. Two for two. CSI, your first year appearance. Was it 2005, 2001, or 2021? 2005. Very good. Correct. You Somebody have, got a mug. You are you are out of you meme did land get a mug, and you get a coffee mug. Yay! All right, question number four: Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Uh oh, this is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Nineteen ninety-eight. Uh huh. Two thousand and four or two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight. That is correct. Yeah. Four for four. All Yay. right, so we'll send you the coffee mug and one of one copy of each of the books. Wow, this is great. And right. the tick, was it 2017, 2001, or 2007? 2001. Very Yay. good. Five for five. <laughs> hey, you know yourself. Well done. Did it. It's so funny when you ask questions like that, because I end up going, I, it, it really is funny where it fits in your life. It, and, and very little has to do with entertainment. I think, well, I got married in 2004, so I had to meet him the year before that. In <laughs> <laughs> 2005, the movie would come out. So yeah, it's just funny what it triggers in your head. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Awesome. That's cool. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're doing now? Uh, I uh, am on Twitter. Twitter more than anything else. So I'm Liz Vassy at Twitter. I do something every Saturday morning called Chatter Day that I started um, during the pandemic, during the lockdown, because I read something about how uh, some ridiculous percentage of our country was alone through it. And I thought, well, let's just make a little thing where we all can chat and ask each other questions. So um, I'm, I'm highly reachable on Saturday mornings through that because people ask questions and we have little back and forths and, and talk about some stuff. So um, Twitter is probably the best place. Fantastic. We will definitely link your Twitter account in our episode description so that our viewers can definitely join you for your Saturday chats. Cool. Very cool. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much yeah. for being with us. 
And we want to also remind everybody that subscribing, if you haven't already done it by this point of the show, subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help funding science fiction podcast to continue to grow and continue to get more amazing guests like Liz Vassy here so that uh, everyone can have things to, to enjoy and, uh, and have some laughs about. So please subscribe. It's going to help us more than we can ever really tell you. And don't forget to sign in on uh, Twitter on Saturday mornings for her Chatterday conversations. And for whatever reason, if you are not happy with the content of our show, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department, Captain Liberty. <laughs> Captain Liberty is a no-nonsense superhero who won't take no for an answer when she is seeking out the offending parties, whether it's a criminal or a podcaster who has lost their way. Either way, the offending parties will pay, and they will pay dearly as long as Fat Manuel can leave her alone. <laughs> and now we'll have a car, too. <laughs> well, thanks again, Liz. Thank you very much. It's All been right, a lot of fun. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine, the comfort you will give Red Shirt Crewman number 36, you'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Captain Liberty in the fight for justice, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his spandex. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.